Hi, this is Robert Helms, and thanks for listening to the Real Estate Guys podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think. Thanks so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we're going to be discussing the changing landscape in international investing. Lots of reasons to consider going global, but lots of changes, especially this year. We'll talk about them today on the Real Estate Guys radio network. Feeling outgunned when dueling through loan mod negotiations with your lender? Discover the underwater borrower's secret weapon and how you can make your loan modification your lender's idea. Get the special report by consumer advocate Martin Andelman. Send your request to analyze this at realestateguysradio.com. Don't go into your loan mod battle unarmed. Get the free report. Send your email to analyze this at realestateguysradio.com or visit the special reports page under resources at realestateguysradio.com. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network and happy holidays. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Uh, we've got a great show for you this week. And to help us do that great show, let's meet the guys, our financial strategist co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey there. And the man we call the godfather of real estate, been investing now for seven different decades, Bob Helms. Good to be here with you guys today. We had a, an extraordinary uh, time in uh, Dallas, Texas for our field trip. That was uh, sure a lot of fun. Had a full bus. In fact, a bigger bus than we've ever had in Dallas. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's uh, it's been very interesting to watch as the uh, – I, I spent a lot of time watching the search trends and the volume of downloads and where they're coming from and what people are interested in. And there's really been a renewed interest in real estate investing in general, especially in particular parts of the country. Obviously, a big interest in properties that cash flow. I think a lot of people went through and found out that if they've got too much negative cash flow and so on, uh, that can be challenging. But Dallas has been a marketplace that people have been very interested in. Having two back-to-back sold-out field trips is just one more indication that real estate is beginning to make a comeback, something that we've been talking about now for a few months and really starting to see it make its way into the uh, into the populace out there. And we got to meet a lot of uh, friends, a lot of listeners, folks that have been listening to our show for some time. We showed up on the field trip. We got to meet them in person. That's uh, that's really as much of the highlight, I think, of the trip as uh, anything else, getting real estate investors' brains together. It's always always fun. Yeah, and lots of fun. Fun meeting these people, fun uh, discussing where they're from, why they're here, what got their attention about this marketplace now. And uh, what we're seeing is that, I think, is that uh, we're seeing a little resurgence, people beginning to once again be interested. Hey, maybe uh, maybe real estate's not all bad for life. Maybe it's going to come back to life. Yeah, you know, in fact, uh, Russ at Mentoring Club this month, you talked a little bit about kind of public sentiment. And still, real estate is not the darling, but it's starting to turn a little bit. You know, and that's really true. And I just got done reading a big hedge fund manager out there, put out a 49-page report. and it got- Which can sleep, so. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> But but it was really interesting, and his, his one of his main points is that you want to invest in things that haven't really caught on yet. You want to get ahead of the curve. Uh, if you believe that long-term people are going to come back and be really interested in real estate as an investment, you look at the current, for example, what the Fed's been doing with the quantitative easing and the money policy, very same policies that they pursued uh, coming out of 9-11 uh, that – created the bubble, you know, depressing the interest rates, flooding the money with the system with money, uh, trying to hold those asset values up because it's a big part of protecting the bank's balance sheets. 
And that same thing is happening. Now, what hasn't happened yet is that the mainstream consumer hasn't gotten caught up in borrowing and the money hasn't flowed to the marketplace yet. You still have the issues in the distribution system with uh, the way mortgages are underwritten and the, the quality of underwriting has stepped up, which is good. But eventually, uh, the money is going to find its way to the consumer. And when it does, that is going to show up in real estate because people still need and want housing. They want bigger housing. They want second houses. Uh, kids living with mom and dad want to get out on their own, you know, and all of those things that make real estate uh, a perennial favorite for investors uh, may have, be, have gone through a little bit of a down cycle. But I think clearly the indicators are it's coming back. Yep, absolutely. It just illustrates perfectly how urgent it is that you stay in tune that you do your homework, that you find out what's going on. Things don't come back with no indicators, but the people who are looking ahead are the ones who are going to take action soonest, and they're the ones who are going to benefit. In the no indicators, I think, is probably yeah, well spoken from a guy that's probably seen more than his fair share of market cycles. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking today about uh, what's happening in international investing. Uh, as you know, if you've been listening to the show, Russ and I had a chance uh, to be at the International Congress in Miami and had uh, several of those interviews that we have played for you uh, so far. But um, we've got uh, a couple of folks that we met there who talked specifically about the international uh, marketplace. And, and what we're really focusing on today's show is the changing landscape in international investing. For us personally, it has been a passion of ours to diversify internationally in real estate, and uh, that has worked out very well for us. And a lot of people are looking to other countries in the last couple of years as the U.S. real estate market hasn't been uh, great. There have been other markets that have been phenomenal, right? Uh, there's been markets we've seen huge appreciation. There's been markets that uh, have a definite growth. You're going to hear specifically about some of those uh, markets today. Uh, uh, but the, the bigger picture today is just understanding as an investor who's going to consider international and looking to take dollars and uh, other currencies outside of the U.S. for investment, um, that's a changing landscape in a lot of ways. You know, we've talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating. Obviously, we are in a very different economy. Uh, the United States participates now in a global economy. Uh, there's a lot of global activity. There's money that moves around the globe. Technology has played a part of that. Politics has played a part of that. I think the development of other countries where they're not quite as scary to us as they used to be has played a part of that. Uh, for example, you know, we've talked to the folks in Belize and other countries that are out there trying to emulate the National Association of Realtors and the quality of practice in the real estate. It was a big part of what was going on here at this Congress. And you look at all those different factors and you say, well, shoot, uh, well, Peter Schiff, we had Peter Schiff on and he was talking, his whole thing is about buying foreign stocks over American stocks. And for years, people, you know, probably the last decade, maybe 15 years, people have taken a lot more interest in being invested in foreign companies. And so the reality is, is business is being conducted worldwide. Companies are forming offshore. A lot of American companies have very strong offshore uh, presences. And that means jobs. That means money. That means demand for real estate. That means people who maybe didn't have the opportunity to have the quote unquote American dream in their country now do. You've got what's happened in Russia, you know, with it, it moving more towards a capitalistic environment. You've got what's gone on in China with it moving more towards a capitalistic environment. So the reality is as investors, uh, real estate is a vehicle. And just like stock investors, you look for different markets, emerging growth markets and new opportunities. Same thing is happening in real 
real estate. The difference is Wall Street isn't pushing that. You have to find other ways to get plugged into those opportunities. But from our vantage point, and I think you'll hear as you listen to some of these interviews, and we just have the privilege of getting to cruise around and meet all kinds of super interesting people and see all kinds of interesting things, clearly there are a lot of opportunities on the international scene. And it isn't it's more difficult than buying in the U.S. just because it's different, but it isn't so difficult that it isn't worth the effort. The Internet really has helped shrink the world in so many ways. There's access to much more information, which is good and bad, of course, information overload and, and just the credibility of the information that you get. But it has opened up our eyes for sure to uh, the ability to find out more information and to get intrigued. What used to, uh, I mean, Bob, when you were first investing, you know, 50, 60 years ago, <laughs> the idea of going to, say, Brazil, Brazil and investing. How on, how on earth would you even find out about investing in Brazil? You had to have somebody you worked with who introduced that idea to you. I think back, uh, we were talking at a mentoring club this month about what happened to me in the early days of investing. I didn't have a plan, first of all. I didn't have any specific mentors. And there wasn't much information available other than what you kind of dug out by yourself or got somebody to put it in your hands. The internet, of course, didn't exist or anything like it. Cell phones didn't exist. Laptops didn't exist. Things were a little more, uh, what do we call them, uh, just old, archaic. Take our show, for example. We, we used to only be heard on radio stations in specific marketplaces. Today, there's people listening to my voice right now that are in a different country. All over. We, I mean, I, I get the emails. I see them all the time. We get people in France. We got people in Korea. We got people in Japan. We got people in Australia. We got people in Germany. I mean, England. It's just, it's a mate. Canada. It, it, Latin America. It's just, it's just amazing. And, and that's, to your point, Robert, all of that is possible because of the proliferation of the internet and the technology that has allowed communication and information to travel globally. And as the world gets smaller and communities get bigger, if you will, from the standpoint of geographic reach... Uh, you're going to see people that are a lot less concerned about geographical boundaries, and that's going to impact where they go with their real estate. And again, when you can see people that feel comfortable from going from an affluent country to an emerging growth country, which is clearly one of our investment strategies, go find an emerging growth country that appeals to people in developed countries that have money and ride that wave and be a part of that action then you're just going to continue to see that happening. And that's why we keep coming back to this international theme. And clearly from what we saw with the real estate community in Miami and what they've done for the last 16, 17 years, reaching out internationally to build those coalitions and networks of professionals that can help facilitate cross-border transactions, the infrastructure continues to get built out. And it's, it's still largely in its infancy, and there's still a lot of untapped opportunity and worth plugging into, Bob, to your point, staying tuned in. One of the gentlemen who spoke at uh, the Congress uh, is a journalist who covers international real estate for a variety of publications, uh, many of whose names you know. And uh, not only did we really enjoy his talk, but we had a chance to uh, get to know him uh, afterwards. And when we come back, you're going to get to meet Kevin Brass. He's going to tell us what he sees out there internationally. And before we're done on the show, we'll give you some of the updates on what's happening from a legal and and a tax perspective uh, this year, 2010, in international real estate. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Are you struggling to keep up with your mortgage payments? Whether it's your home, vacation, or investment property, there are loan workout options available. To help you sort through all the noise in the marketplace, The Real Estate Guys has written a free 18-page report called What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. 
In this special report, you'll discover the single most important thing the lender looks for before agreeing to modify your loan. Plus, you'll be able to weigh the pros and cons of hiring a professional versus doing it yourself, and much, much more. All you need to do to get your copy is email your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. It's free, it's confidential, and it's yours when you send your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. Hope is not a strategy. Start your own economic bailout plan today. Get the Real Estate Guys free report, What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. Email your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. The Real Estate Guys podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Real Estate Guys, Audible's offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook you might think about is Communication and the Art of Persuasion by the great Jim Rohn. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the real estate guys. They really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program heard every weekend on this fine radio station and all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about the international landscape and we have a guest who certainly knows a lot about it. He's been writing for years about international real estate for the International Herald Tribune, the New York Times. He uh, he blogs. He has an incredible uh, book of work around international marketplaces and we're happy to uh, introduce you to Mr. Kevin Brass. How are you, Kevin? Great. Happy to be here. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. You're uh, all over the place these days. Well, it's been an interesting time for the business in general. It sure is. And uh, we've been big fans of looking outside of our local market to find opportunity. Uh, we saw you give a talk on kind of the State of the Union, what's happening, and, and some of the opportunities in international real estate and some of the landmines. Uh, can you speak to that? Well, and we're here in Miami where the international influence is, is huge. I mean, you can t the numbers vary, but it can be anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of local sales are generated by international buyers. So right here you see evidence of the, of the impact of, of the international market. Uh, the one thing that I think uh, I, I talk about a lot when I talk to groups like this is that this international business, the idea of buying residential property across borders, is still growing. It's it's a new phenomenon compared to commercial property where funds and investors bought across borders for years. But in residential property, it's still kind of a new thing, and it's still growing, and you see it around the world. It's not just people coming into the United States. It's U.K. buyers. It's Asian buyers. It's buyers from Latin America. They're all looking outside their own countries for residential property. You know, it's kind of a paradigm depending on where you're from. We have listeners in more than 40 countries, but the majority of our listeners are in the United States where the market has not been great. And so people tend to carry around in their mind, oh, the real estate market's terrible. But you mentioned today several marketplaces that are, are, are doing really well. Uh, actually, I would say the majority of markets around the world are, are, are starting to come back, and they're coming back quicker than in the United States. And that's caught the eye of investors. Investors don't have to limit themselves to their home country. And that's true of Americans as well. And they're not just buying as investments. It's an investment that can be your second home. It's your vacation property. And it can actually generate uh, rental returns, and it can generate income for you. Or it can just be a safe investment 
uh, perhaps safer than a stock at this point, that will generate profits for you down the road. And that's how people are looking at it. It's still a risky investment. There are still pro, pros and cons. And like you, as you've mentioned in your talk, there are tax issues and there's plenty of other factors involved in it. But it's a way to diversify your portfolio, if nothing else. Yeah, it sure is. And I think uh, probably because of what's happened in the international space in terms of access to information, a lot of the work that you do has brought people closer. It really is a smaller world today. Oh, in many ways. And it's, it's very interesting as you travel around the, the world, you, as I'm sure you know, you, you, you see people who know your country because they came here uh, investigating property, or they've 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 been in part of uh, uh, they've they've been reading about a country based on the property elements of it, and that's that's very interesting. People are very much aware of other countries now, on that basis, on a very nuts and bolts level. Now, Kevin, what are some of the regions that you like today? Uh, it, it varies, and again, uh, some of this is just my opinion more than say uh, detailed analysis. But there's several things going on around the world. Uh, for one, uh, we are we're here in Miami, so you look at you, you draw a line around uh, the world from here, and you you see a, a place like Saint Lucia is, is, a, is a place that I really like a lot. Um, just because there's a lot of new development, it's a stable uh, government that's looking to grow the tourism base, um, and you can, and it has a lot of the elements that you would like in a second home market. Um, great places to visit, great beaches. There's rainforest. Uh, factors that are not necessarily true of a lot of Caribbean countries. I like Panama, I like Central America, I like uh, inland Panama in particular, perhaps more so than, say, Panama City, where a lot of investors were going into Panama City, and now there's a lot of oversupply of, of, of condos and towers in Panama City, maybe not the best place to be. But you go in inland, and you can buy a, a villa, what roughly is characterized as a villa, in the mountains of Panama for, you know, U.S. 200000 how many places can you find that anymore where you can find a nice place and be a half hour from the beach in a beautiful tropical setting? Same with Belize. Uh, we were talking about Belize earlier. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's different elements in Belize where you can buy uh, a, a, a place inland in Cayo or San Ignacio uh, where for a couple hundred thousand dollars you can buy a really nice place and then be on the coast in, in an hour. And there's the islands. I know you're involved in Ambergris. There's Placencia, which is uh, on the mainland, but seeing a lot of new development. And they're, they're great projects. And they're, they're, it's a great, easy place to get to. Um, I could go on. I could, you got me babbling about different no, markets great. here, but there's a lot that interests me within this region. Well, and then you also talked about some of the things that buyers are looking for today and a few of the things that aren't as important anymore. Can you talk about that? And I think there have been a lot of subtle changes. And, and this comes from if you talk to developers, you talk to agents, and uh, there's some consistent factors that pop up. Uh, this idea of buying a, a property as a safe haven, as your, as part of your investment portfolio, uh, as a place to diversify your portfolio into property outside your country. Now, this is different because it's not necessarily looking at it as, well, a short-term rental yield uh, investment. Right. They're looking at it as, okay, I want to put my money somewhere where it's going to be safe, and maybe in you know five, ten years I can get out of it and, and be comfortable and perhaps use it in those five or ten years. That's a subtle difference from the guy who is maybe looking to buy off-plan, pre-construction, 
five years ago and was just looking to flip it. Yep. It's a, it's a subtle difference, but you see it a lot in the marketplace. Things like golf courses, for example, are not the draw they once were, whereas marinas, a lot of the boating public is still growing. And so you probably see a lot of developments focusing on their marina projects more than their golf course. Uh, those are kind of the kind of differences you see a lot, and you see them consistently, and it, it, has, it speaks to the mindset of buyers. Now, also in your talk, Kevin, you talked about some of the landmines, some of the things to be aware of today, and I thought there were some, some great nuggets in there. Share with us some of the landmines that an investor today looking internationally needs to just be aware of. Well, certainly, any, any, if you're looking to go into a country, you have to be aware that government change, government policies change, and the, the uh, veneer of stability can change very, very quickly. You look at a place like Thailand, a great market, beautiful islands, uh, great places to buy second homes, and a lot of investment money was going into Thailand. Uh, but the government's in turmoil. You never know what's going on. Uh, I love Mexico. Mexico's a, I, I still think, think Mexico's a, a great place to, to, to buy and to visit. But you have to be aware when you go into Mexico that – it could change. The things that are happening there, the problems in Mexico, uh, they're very real. And you just don't know. Um, you have to be able to uh, be willing to absorb that risk factor. Uh, you talked about the conga line of bad news coming from Mexico. It's not just the recent violence. It's the H1N1 uh, virus that, 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 that just stopped the market there for a good six months. Um, it's the uh, social unrest in places like Oaxaca where there was riots in the street. Those are very real issues. Now, the tourism people will tell you that uh, this is all isolated, that tourism is still growing. And in fact, the arrivals in Mexico are up 20% in the yeah. first six months of the year. People are still visiting Mexico. But if you're putting your money in, you want to put your money into a place, uh, you've got to consider these things and you've got to be able to evaluate your, your willingness to accept risk. Now, you have readers that are obviously from all over the place and are interested in what's happening uh, in the various marketplaces. Tell us about your blog. How does somebody get more information? I know you're pretty prolific when it comes to, uh, to writing about international real estate. Sure. The best place to find my blog right now is the Real Estate Channel, realestatechannel.com. Also, it's also syndicated through the International Property Journal, which is internationalpropertyjournal.com. And you can find the, the blog easily through those two sites. Uh, and I focus... Uh, on a wide variety of markets. It's a steady patter of information on, uh, on international property because there's a lot going on, and there's a lot going on in these different markets. And the people who are interested, there's a new breed of buyers out there, and a new breed of investors who are interested in a wide variety of markets. That UK buyer who may be interested in Spain is also interested in Dubai, is also interested in Miami. And, and same through that Russian buyer and the... Uh, the Middle Eastern buyer, and you see these people, they're, they're, they're looking at and they're, they're evaluating markets all around the world. Well, speaking of the Middle East, I understand you have some uh, changes coming up in uh, your career. Tell us about that. Yes, sir. I just accepted a job uh, with The National, the largest English language newspaper in Abu Dhabi. Uh, so I'll be focusing very much on Abu Dhabi and Dubai coming up here. Very interesting markets, fast-growing markets, international markets. Um, a lot of international money coming uh, into both areas, a lot of money going out of those two areas, uh, and, and property is a huge business there. Uh, so I'll be focusing on investment, uh, development, construction, 
Now I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting time. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to having you tell us more about those marketplaces. In fact, uh, one of the things you talked about was where the capital is coming from, and there seems to be some easing of capital in Dubai. That uh, picture has changed a little bit, and, and uh, should be a, an exciting time to go there. Well, uh, you remember two years ago, not it seems like ancient history, but two years ago, uh, Middle Eastern money would seem to be buying up everything in the United States. And you right. look at the numbers, you remember the Chrysler building, they were buying, uh, you know, the Dubai world was going to take over the ports, they're, they're building in uh, the city Las, center, Vegas, Las Vegas, Vegas, Las Vegas yeah. city center. And that just stopped last year. It just stopped. You look at the numbers and it went, it, it just ended because they had their own problems. Well, that's going to change. That that's that money they've they've solved at least uh, they've dealt with their 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 debt issues, and that money is going to start flowing again, and they're going to start looking for for investments outside the region. The other area I talked about a lot was Asia, where just the the number of high net worth individuals is soaring, more millionaires coming out of Asia than ever before, and they're looking for places to buy. They're looking for places to put their money. You bet they are, and uh, they're certainly prudent investors in a lot of ways too. So that's a different, maybe a different demographic than some of these markets have seen before. Well, that's what you, that's very much, very, very true. And each of these uh, investors, each of these buyers, is very, very different. The Asian buyer has different interests than the Middle Eastern buyer. The Russian buyers; these are all active participants in international markets, and each of them has subtle differences in what they're looking for. Kevin Brass keeps his uh, finger on the pulse of what's happening in international real estate. We like that, uh, and thanks so much for your time today, Kevin. Thank you enjoyed it. Safe travels to you from the beautiful city of Miami. We're the Real Estate Guys. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Bob Helms. They call me the godfather of real estate mostly because I've been investing longer than the average Joe, since 1957 to be exact. Back when I started out, investing was pretty simple. Even so, I made more than my fair share of mistakes. And I can't imagine getting into this game today without some help. That's why I'm inviting you to check out the Real Estate Guys Investor Mentoring Club. There are three locations to choose from, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. To find out when and where, just send an email to guys at realestateguysradio.com or use the feedback page on the website at realestateguysradio.com. Tell them the Godfather sent you. Hey, Russ, guess what? Uh, the real estate market is hot again? Oh, Russ, the real estate market is always hot if you know where to look. No, it's something even better. Really? What is it? Well, thanks to our amazing listeners, we continue to be one of the most downloaded real estate shows on iTunes week after week. That is great. So what are we going to do about it? Well, I thought we should let our listeners know that there's more to the Real Estate Guys than just our weekly broadcast. Yeah, like our website at realestateguysradio.com where they can read our blog. Great start. And if they're still hungry for more, there's our Backstage Pass with members-only access to additional content, backstage interviews, and our monthly audio mentoring club. Plus, Backstage Pass members get priority access and special discounts to our live events, field trips, and the annual Investor Summit. So come backstage, go to realestateguysradio.com and click on the Backstage Stage Pass logo. You'll be glad you did. This is Wayne Palmer, co-author of The Real Book of Real Estate. You are listening to The Real Estate Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys Radio Program. We're talking about the changing landscape in international investing. Great stuff for you. We've got more on the way. And uh, before we do that, it is time to stop and play Real Estate Trivia. Every week we give away a prize to the person who can quickly answer our real estate trivia question. And then another prize uh, to the person who we draw from the uh, list of names 
of folks who guessed correctly. That way, if you're not listening live on the radio, you still have a chance to win. When you hear the trivia question and think you know the answer, send it to us via email at trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. And uh, if you're lucky, you will uh, be the proud owner of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Find out more on our website at realestateguysradio.com under book. Last week on the show, we had a show that we like to call an encore performance, one from the archives, a show about the career opportunities in real estate, which means not only did we recycle the show, but we recycled trivia. It was long enough ago that people did play, however, so we're going to give away the prizes based on a trivia question that was repeated. But here was our question. What's the latitude at the North Pole? And uh, this was a fun question the first time, and it was fun this time as well. Of course, the the answer is it's 90 degrees north latitude. And uh, longitude, where is it? Zero. Zero. All the uh, longitude uh, converge the, the, right at the North Pole. So it's it's either none or, or all, depending on how you look at it. But uh, that's the answer uh, to uh, the trivia question. Because we played uh, one from the archives, if you will, uh, last week, we didn't have a chance to tell you the answer to the trivia question the week before, which was what two countries sandwich the Dead Sea? The answer, Israel and Jordan. So uh, there you go. This week on uh, Real Estate Guys Trivia, we are, before we're done today, going to hear from a very interesting gentleman who hails from the beautiful country of Brazil. When Russ and I were at the International Congress in Miami, we learned a ton uh, about the Brazil market, one market that we really hadn't explored too much, but we're excited to uh, to hear about it uh, now. So we have a trivia question that has to do uh, with Brazil. So here we go. How does Brazil rank worldwide in terms of population? Where does the country of Brazil sit? Where does it rank worldwide in terms of population? I'll give you a hint. Number one country in terms of population, China. Number two, India. Pretty obvious those are the big population countries. So where in the top 100 countries does Brazil sit? That's our trivia question. If you know or want to take a guess, you can send it to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. And uh, we'll give away a couple copies, uh, signed copies of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. And really, that is about the, the game we're talking about, is how do we build lifelong wealth with real estate? There's obviously great opportunities, we think, in any country. So your home country is a place to think. But when it's time to start looking outside of your own country's boundaries, either because you don't see the opportunity there or, like in the U.S., prices are on the way down, so the types of investing are different. If you're looking for equity growth, there's other places to do that. Kevin shared some uh, great markets. I thought it was uh, really interesting. He gave a talk that was uh, about an hour long, but we just got the highlights there on the interview. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were saying that your quote, our new Dallas Mentoring Club, one of the things we're doing with a lot of the new folks is talking about personal investment philosophy. One of your philosophies and one of your quotes has been for the longest time, live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Well, when I first met you, that meant leaving California and going into different you know, states. Right. And then pretty soon it was different countries. And now, I mean, different countries within a single hemisphere. Now it's even past that. And to hear him talk a little bit about, you know, obviously we had Gary Eldred on the show way back when, and he was involved in Dubai and we never quite got interested. Clearly you have to look at what was going on in India and China and say, well, that's a lot of economy. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of money over there. And you look at that, then then Kevin's comments about, you know, how many millionaires are coming out of Asia. And obviously, one of the markets that have been a beneficiary of that has been Australia, a market that, that you got us involved in. So yep. that, that philosophy of live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense changes as the world changes. And I think it's kind of been the theme 
to this point. Well, and you know what's happened worldwide, of course, is that everybody has felt uh, certainly the repercussions of the economic collapse. It's not just been isolated to any one country. There's been a lot of permutations, but independent of that, there are still are markets where there's great opportunity. See, the world population is growing. Certainly, the U.S. population is growing, and people's need and desire to say go vacation, resort in a beautiful part of the world hasn't changed. Their ability uh, to uh, make that happen, maybe short-term has, or just the caution they're taking. If before that, oh, yeah, I'll go spend $40,000 on a timeshare a week, no problem. Today, they're like, well, let's think that through, right? But we're starting to see that loosen up as well. People are very interested. And I think there's the other layer of it, which is if I'm going to go to the trouble to learn about investing offshore, overseas, across a continent or an ocean or whatever the case may be, then there's other angles of that that have to do with diversification, asset protection, and, and so on that I ought to learn about as well. You know, as you were just saying that, that's exactly what I was thinking. One of Kevin's comments was the new breed of buyers and why they're buying, you know, the whole concept of safe haven. Obviously, we've seen a big push in the price of gold. We've seen, you know, monetary policy, people saying, look, the dollar is likely to devalue. It's been devalued. If you just look at most of the commodities out there have all been on the upswing. People are looking for hard assets. They're looking for real tangible things to park their money in. And so you say, well, real estate isn't very liquid, and that's true, but it's extremely private and very difficult for uh, litigants and uh, foreign governments to get their hands on. I mean, you know, there are people in the United States right now that have been concerned about the direction and the reach of the, the federal government. I think the last election reflected some pushback on some of that. And clearly it's not everybody. And some people think more government's better. And to me, it isn't a matter of, you know, right or wrong. It's just a matter of looking at what's really happening and where people are moving and where money is moving and trying to be in a position to benefit from from the changing tide, if you will. And the, I, the notion that Kevin brought up, which clearly we've seen, is that people are willing to take money and park it in foreign markets for the safe haven, for the privacy, for the hedge against the devaluation of the dollar. That is truly a very different breed of buyer than the guy that's flush with you know, money in a strong U.S. economy just looking for a vacation property or place to play. And so as an investor, you think, okay, I want to acquire property or I want to be in the flow of money. I have to know who the target market is and I have to know why they're buying. And that for a guy that makes his living monitoring that trend and networking as we do, you know, to keep your thumb on the pulse at the cutting edge of where things are happening and why, I thought that was a really important comment. I just want to make sure people didn't miss that. You know, one of the things that has happened in the last couple of weeks that uh, maybe you caught in the news and, and maybe you didn't was the signing of the Tax Information Exchange Act between the United States and Panama. Panama was, up until November 30th, one of Hoyt Barber's T7 tax havens. And one of the reasons, uh, and, and a tax haven is not uh, avoidance of, of tax or anything that's unethical or any of that. It's just a matter of a low tax jurisdiction. Uh, and one of the reasons, one of the things that he looks at, Mr. Barber, is the information exchange. Exchange. Some countries, there are tax treaties between, and there's this Tax Information Exchange Act, and there's, there's tons of these. In fact, in the year 2010, there have already been nearly 100 Tax Information Exchange Acts signed between various countries. So to any two countries, if they agree to share information about their citizens and their tax information, sign one of these agreements. Now, there are many countries that are completely opposed to the idea, and many are in sync with this. 
Panama was a holdout for a lot of years, and this has all changed. And so that's one of the things you need to be aware of. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if I'm going to open up a bank account in Panama, I have to expect that my country, if say if I'm a, if I'm a U.S. citizen especially, since those are the countries that sign, there are other agreements that Panama has in place. But if it was the U.S., since that's the, the treaty we're talking about that just got signed, or agreement actually, that uh, now – I have to be aware that all the information that I ha give to my Panamanian banker is going to be available to the U.S. government. Now, that concerns some people, but understand this. As a U.S. citizen, you're required to report any bank account you have signature authority on to the Treasury Department once a year if, if the balance is over $10,000. You know, seek legal counsel, of course, but uh, so... The, most people who bank in international jurisdictions understand that they're not hiding their money. They're not keeping their money from their government. That's not the purpose of it. It's much more, I think anyway, about diversity, asset protection. I mean, Panama, what currency does Panama use? the U.S. dollar, right? So it's not that surprising that the U.S. and Panama would have this kind of agreement. It did take a lot of people by surprise, though. Well, you know, I think kind of the icon of privacy banking, if you will, in foreign banking has been Switzerland. And, you know, back, and this seems like ancient history now, but the case uh, that was, I think, litigated in Miami uh, had to do with revealing the identities to the U.S. government. And, I, you know, I get that the government and, and the international governments are trying to cooperate to prevent the flow of money through terrorist organizations and illegal activities. But, you know, for folks that are very private and maybe a little bit distrusting of big government, uh, it's a little disconcerting when you have a very difficult time organizing your affairs in such a way that Big Brother can't stick their nose into it. So, again, these are trends, and you say, well, you know, I mean, I don't care about that. Well, you do care about that because it affects where people move money. So when the Swiss bank thing happened, all of a sudden $20 billion of money came out of Swiss banks, and it went someplace, and it went to places like Panama. And maybe now it's moving out of Panama. Now where is it going? I'm interested in that because in, in, if, if Kevin is correct and people are becoming distrusting of international banking in general and are looking for a private place to put their money, hello, real estate is a place that they might do that. Now that's as a real estate investor, I'm extremely interested in that. Might I be able to go find products and property that those people would be interested in and make that available to them and get some condensation on that $20 billion pipe? That could be a way to make some money. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the, I would think, more concerning issues has to do with the FACTA agreement of 2009 that was just passed earlier this year, 2010. So all current information. This is a scary one. It's the U.S. Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, and we're not going to get into great detail about it, other than to say that it takes uh, effect in a couple of years in 2012. But it's the first time that the U.S. has forced an agreement between financial institutions. See, the, the treaty that we just talked about and all tax treaties are between two nations. Right. Nation A and Nation B have a tax treaty, which allows for the sharing of information in some cases, especially if they've signed one of these specific agreements. But it also um, eliminates dual taxation in a lot of situations. If I'm investing in a, in a country, say, in, in, in real estate, since we're a real estate show, and I pay a certain tax in that country, I get a credit for that in my own country. Uh, if there's a tax treaty between the nations, and I don't if there's not. Obviously, you want to talk to your tax professional if you're investing uh, across borders. But what this is, what FACTA is, is an agreement between the U.S. government and FFIs, foreign financial institutions. The Bank of Panama directly now is going to have a choice to make, and here's their choice. 
if they receive a wire through a U.S. correspondent bank, which is how most U.S. dollars travel into other marketplaces and financial institutions, the U.S. government will be implementing a 30% hold. They will hold back 30% of that money unless the foreign financial institution is willing to give all of the information about the beneficiary and account holder. So up until now, a lot of these countries have not had that information available. In many countries, it's illegal to disperse that information to anybody, including foreign governments. This new act is going to require that if the financial institution doesn't give the information about the account holder, that they're going to withhold 30%. So that's a concern, and that's a trend you definitely now. Now, that doesn't take place until 2012. Interestingly enough, the tax information agreement that Panama signed with the U.S. is retroactive to 2007. Bob, I know you read. You actually read the, uh, the agreement. I did, and in fact, for those of you interested, I'd recommend that you read the agreement. It's very short. It's pretty simple. What it really does is establishes who in each of these governments has the responsibility and what they have to do one for the other. So if you have two countries that have an agreement, in this case, the United States and Panama, they have agreed that one party, the requesting party, will ask for information from the other party, the requested party. And it seems pretty simple, but this treaty defines who in the government is responsible, who in fact uh, is going to provide that data, and under what conditions they'll provide it. For example, if we have two countries involved in such an agreement, if, if one of those countries requires that you pay taxes on earnings in another country and the other one does not, then they're going to abide by the rules that that country, the requested country, normally operates with. My point is, there are certain things that will depend on who the countries are and what they're doing, but this is pretty simple reading. I suggest you drag it up and have a look at it. It's because you'll get some insight into not only the purpose, but how it might affect you if you are in fact doing offshore banking. If you'll just search for Panama Tax Information Exchange Act, you'll be able to find that information easily enough. So, you know, you, again, trying to bring this back down to, you know, us in the real world every day, and you look, for example, there's been a lot of debate in the United States about the extension of the Bush tax cuts, if you will, right? And so that has created uncertainty in the small business community, which has impacted jobs. Jobs impact real estate. When you have these changes that occur in different countries, it affects the flow of money and where people move their money and what they're willing and not willing to do. And you have to trace it all the way back to how does that impact real estate and how can I take advantage of those movements and those moments of uncertainty or those moments of opportunity. All right, when we come back, uh, you're going to meet a gentleman that hails from beautiful Brazil, and we're going to get a little insight into the changing landscape in Brazil. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Want to fix up houses and sell or rent them for a profit? Believe it or not, the hard part isn't fixing them up. It's finding a cheap fixer-upper with real upside potential. Banks are giving great deals, but only if you can buy in bulk. To find out how you can get plugged in, order the free report, Buying Value, Profiting from Distressed REO Properties. Send your email to wholesale at realestateguysradio.com. Many homes are available for as low as $20,000 or less. You couldn't build them for that. Get the report to learn more. Call our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 105, or email wholesale at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. 
Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're about to talk about a beautiful part of the world, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have Flavio Amari with us, who is from Brazil. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you from yes, Brazil. It, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo, Brazil, one of the uh, most photographed places in the world, certainly. Yeah, Sao Paulo City has 10 million people living in the city. Wow. That's a very big town. That is a big place. Yeah. Now, uh, tell us about uh, the, the real estate market there. We've heard good things. Yeah, we have some special moment. In Brazil lives here. Now, a special moment. Everybody can buy a house. We have a deficit, housing deficit in Brazil, about six or seven million people needing housing, house. And that's an opportunity for us to build houses or apartments or condominiums and lots. Uh, that's a great market. Now, this is not something we're used to hearing, right? In lots of other places around the world, there's surplus of housing, there's uncertainty, and the, and that you guys are going gangbusters. You did a presentation where you showed some of the, the numbers and the drivers and so forth. What is heated up the real estate market in Brazil? Yeah. Our economics is very good. Our projection for uh, growth, our GDP, uh, is about 7% this year. Our unemployment rate is low. 20 years ago, we, we don't have uh, this lower rate. It's about 7% unemployment rate. Our middle, middle class is growing every year, every day. Our middle class is growing. We have a lot of people, about 100 million people in the age to buy a house. The, so our, our country is a great opportunity to the people who want to build houses or build apartments or even buy or invest some money in our real estate market. Well, let's talk about that because as we look at different countries, there are limitations to foreign ownership in some countries. Uh, how does that uh, work in Brazil? We have some limitation about rural invest investments, farms, that's uh, some restrictions. But for the urban uh, housing, there's no restrictions. We, you can build, you can incorporate, you can build a sales company, you can do business in Brazil. Well, that's probably good news for folks listening to our show. Uh, and tell us about the, the economic drivers in your marketplace. What are the jobs? What kind of industry is there? Yeah, we have a new president now in Brazil, re-elected in the October 31st, 31, 31, 31st, 31st. 31st. And uh, I don't think that's going to change any economic things. It's going to continue everything. And we have a program called Minha Casa Minha Vida. It's my house, my, my life. Uh, want to build one million houses, new houses, and the sequence the sequence of this program is about two, two million houses. So there's a lot of opportunities because our economics, our our currency, the real, is very strong. Our interest rate is going low. Our uh, bureaucracy to do business is getting uh, smaller. Or, so it's an opportunity to do business there. Now, Fabio, you uh, have expertise in real estate development. Got to be an exciting time to be in that business. Tell us about the real estate development opportunities. I'm, I do uh, land development. I'm an urban development. And I participate in the real estate organization called Secovi. I'm the vice president from the interior of the state of Sao Paulo. We have eight branches in the Sao Paulo state, the most important cities. And in Sao Paulo state, we have a branch of Secovi. And all the cities are living in special moments in the real estate market. Now, when I think of Brazil, I think of sunshine and, and beautiful weather. But you actually had some slides of some snow in Brazil. Yeah, there's one city only. You can keep <laughs> your imagine with the sunshine and ah. the women in Rio de Janeiro. You can keep everything in your mind. But we have seen, yes, when one city in the snow, we have 
the Amazon forest. We had a lot of beaches in the northeast part of Brazil. That's an opportunity too to do some resorts, hotels, tourism investment. We have a World Cup coming in 2014. We have the Olympics Games coming in the 2016. So you can keep your imagine in Brazil. All right. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you do a study of the host cities of the Olympics, there's very often a corresponding uh, real estate play there. A lot of folks who go in before the Olympics and find opportunity might be the same in Brazil. Yeah, and Rio de Janeiro is the, the Olympic game uh, city. Yep. And there's a lot of projects, plans for Rio de Janeiro, and I think it's going to be a very... Uh, important point and very important uh, date or very important mark for the city of Rio de Janeiro. Now, talk about this event that you have coming up next September. There's a, a, an event that you spoke about today. Yeah, we have, about a, we have a conference in Brazil. Uh, we organize in Secovia, in Sao Paulo. Every year in September, uh, we don't have the date exactly, but in, always in the last week of September, we have a week. Uh, we call it Real Estate Week. And uh, there's a lot of opportunities to networking, to see the buildings in Sao Paulo and some technical visits. I don't know if say it is in English, but some technical visits in yep. some buildings, tours. tours like that, tours. And uh, that's an opportunity to see the market, the real estate market in Brazil. That's all invited. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned to the Real Estate Guides. We're going to tell you more about that event as uh, it draws nearer. Fabio, thanks so much for your time today. Okay. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Great stuff from Flavio, interesting guy, and obviously English not his first language, but he sure did a good job of communicating his excitement for what's happening in his country. Yeah, I'm so envious uh, and admiring of people who can come into a foreign country and engage in uh, the entire dialogue at a high level with a lot of terminology uh, in your own language. But man, he, you know, when I first saw him speak, I got excited about Brazil and listening to the uh, what's going on with the Brazilian economy and the size and the vibrancy and the direction and the population growth and the opportunity. So uh, I'm wondering, though, um, do we have any cruise like itineraries that take us to Brazil? Does Brazil do cruise ports? I don't Ooh, even know. Good question. We'll have to uh, look into that. But uh, speaking of cruises, what a great way to see a lot of different parts of the world. It has been uh, for us. And uh, every year, you probably know, we do our annual Investor Summit at Sea. Uh, this year uh, is the ninth year we'll do this. So we get on a cruise ship and spend uh, the sea days in classes and seminars with some amazing folks who uh, will just blow your mind when it comes to uh, real estate, all kinds of uh, neat financial tools. Uh, we'll talk about some things in international waters we probably don't talk about on the radio. It's a pretty fun uh, environment to, to be in, but we also see wonderful different countries. You heard Kevin earlier talk about St. Lucia. I'm excited this year we're going to St. Lucia on the cruise. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, until I met you and I started doing these things, I hadn't seen much of the world. I had a very narrow view of what the world looked like and the way people were and where the opportunities were. Today, I have a much more global view. It's much more interesting. And most of that exposure for me started on the cruise ships, not just the places we visited, but the people who we interacted with you know, we had five or six different countries represented in our last cruise, and so I think that's going to continue to happen. So if you're out there listening, you want to be a part of that, I encourage you hit the website, realestateguysradio.com, click on Summit and get the download, and, and uh, let's see you on the Summit next year. If you're interested in international real estate, the Investor Summit is a great way to see a lot of it in a short period of time and just be around some uh, great brains. Hey, big thanks to uh, our guests, both Flavio and Kevin, for being on uh, the program uh, this week. Thanks to our sponsors who make this show possible. You'll find them on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks to our engineering team for bringing you the show. Next week, more holiday fun with the Real Estate Guys as 2010 comes to a close. In the meantime, go make some equity happen. We'll see you next week 
on The Real Estate Guys. The Real Estate Guys, brought to you by Paradigm Life, helping you unleash the power of infinite banking. Learn more at bethebank.com, audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Go to audible.com forward slash real estate guys for your choice of a free audiobook. Suburban Residential, brand new positive cash flow houses in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies from attorney and rich debt advisor Garrett Sutton. Texas Investor Homes, discover high yield, low risk, double digit cash on cash returns with interim construction funding. CDA Law Center, providers of professional assistance with loan modifications and the powerful REST Report, helping you level the playing field when negotiating with your lender. Find out about these and other fine sponsors under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. Learn how you can sponsor the Real Estate Guys. Call 888-489-7723. 888-489-7723. That's 888-489-7723. Once again, 888-489-7723. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make Equity Happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com.